Well, hey, welcome to Repel Church. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I am so excited that you chose to be with us today at Repel Church. We're excited that you're watching this message. If you are with us for the first time, we would love to connect with you by filling out an online connect card. Somebody on our team will share more information about that with you later on. But hey, if you're watching this right now, do me a favor, hit the share button, because we can continue to spread the good news of Jesus all around the world just by simply making a few clicks. It's really powerful and practical for you and I to continue to help people meet Jesus. So would love for you to share that. Today we are kicking off a brand new message series called Asking for a Friend. Now culturally what you and I would do is if there was something that we were interested in learning about but maybe hesitant about asking the question for ourselves, we would simply ask that question for a friend. It's a way to minimize the embarrassment of asking everyday questions that we have. But here at Propel Church, we believe that there's some incredibly powerful opportunities for you and I to really lean into those questions and learn what God has for us. And so we sent out a survey the other week so that you could ask for yourself or for a friend. And as you did that, we got those results back. And the number one thing that you requested was to learn, how do I share my faith? Now, as a pastor, I'm incredibly proud and excited to get to talk about that topic today because I want to help you learn how to share your faith. For far too long, I believe the local church has relied on a pastor's ability to lead their friends and family to Jesus, but God has called every single one of us as his followers to share the good news of the gospel. Look at what Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says. Jesus says this, he says, and he said to them, go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So what is the whole creation? Well, that's your friend, your family member, your next door neighbor. That's your weird aunt Karen, right? Come on, somebody like you. The whole world is who God has called you to share the message of Jesus with. But many of us don't feel comfortable sharing the message of Jesus. We may not feel qualified or feel like we just don't grasp it enough. And last year in 2019, uh, I released my first book called Bridge the Gap. And this whole book was designed to help people. Uh, It says to deliver sermons that lead to conversion rather than confusion. But really the goal was to create a simple and practical tool where people could share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus No matter where a person was at, you would have the ability to tell them about what God did in your life and how he could really change theirs. And that's not a plug to say you should go buy the book. In fact, if you send me an email, I'd love to give you a copy of it for free. But I wanted to share some really simple, really practical tools with you today so that you and I can understand our faith and then begin to share it. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that I want you to write down is this. To share our faith, we must first understand the gospel. Now, the gospel is a common term that we use in church, but I don't want to just assume that you know what the gospel is. I want to unpack that for you today. Because a lot of times when we talk about the gospel, we simply talk about behavior modification. But the gospel is more than behavior modification. It's life transformation. The gospel is more than just good church attendance or getting in a group or starting to serve. The gospel is God's transforming power at work within you and within me. 
And if we can understand that, then we can begin to share the good news of Jesus with the world. So I want to go to a whiteboard today to help better illustrate what I'm going to show you. Let's check it out. So over here, uh, this concept of bridge the gap is really simple. It starts with a cliff on one side, and this is where uh, I am. I'm going to write me and then draw a stick figure. Come on, some of y'all have been praying for this body, but quarantine ain't helped you out with it. So this is where I am, but over here is where God is. And you'd say, well, Nick, that's weird. We talk about God being with us, but the truth is God and I are not together. But in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we were created to be with God. We were created to do life with him. In fact, the beginning of Genesis, when you and I were created to live in perfection, there's a guy named Adam and a lady named Eve, and they're created to walk hand in hand with God. It's perfect. It's beautiful. There's no sickness. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no gap. But then we get to Genesis chapter 3, And see, God had given them everything. They were ruling over the fish. They had a garden that they were getting to take care of. But there was this tree in that garden, and it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, hey, don't eat from that tree. You have everything in the world, but there's one tree to not eat from. And what they saw as God withholding was actually God's protection. Because scripture lets you and I in on the fact in Genesis chapter 3 that when Adam and Eve ate from the fruit, immediately their eyes were opened. Scripture says they realized their nakedness and felt shame. What happened is a gap was created between God and man. You say, well, why? Well, it's really simple. God is perfect and holy. And in perfection... There is no sin, there's no rebellion, there's no disobedience. And the moment that that enters into the picture, there's a separation because holiness cannot coexist with unholiness. Righteous does not exist with unrighteous. So there's a separation between God and man. And when that separation happens, Adam and Eve begin to sew fig leaves together to cover their nakedness, and then let's take a look at what Genesis chapter 3 shares with you and I. It says this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 23, or I'm sorry, verse 8 and 9. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now, First thing, you you and I can really understand what sin does for us because when Adam and Eve discovered their sinfulness, Scripture says that they tried to cover it up. They sewed fig leaves together. Now they're hiding. So when you've done something wrong, our natural response is to hide. I'm trying to show you that the Bible is still relatable and applicable to our everyday life here and now. So they hid from God. And then it says, but the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? Now, it wasn't because God didn't know where Adam was geographically or locationally, because God is all-knowing. What had happened was sin had created a separation between God and man. 
Sin creates that separation. So let me go back to the whiteboard for just a second and show you that point here. So look, because of sin, we are separated from God. Sin creates separation. In the garden, when God is illustrating, when God is sharing this perfection with them, it's beautiful. But the moment that sin enters the picture, sin has created this divide. God knows where Adam and Eve are, but now there's distance between them. And so as we continue reading and looking at this passage of Scripture, we see that Adam and Eve have made clothing for themselves. And this question that you and I have a lot of times when it comes to God is, well, where is God? Right? I think most people who, if you're watching this right now, at some point in your life, you've asked the question, where is God? And it's because we were made and created to be in perfection with him, but because of sin, we were separated. If you've ever had something, I've heard... um, gosh, amputees, right? So you've got all five of your fingers, but then you lose a finger. You always feel like you've got that finger, like it's this natural thing, but, but you know that something's missing. All of us are made like that. See, when we realize that we were created to live in perfection with God, but because of sin, we're separated we realize that that longing and that desire that we have inside of us is actually to be restored to where God originally created us. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, God talks about these curses that are going to happen now that sin has entered the world. But then it gives you and I some hope. And I want to read this verse to you. It says this, that the Lord God made garments of animal skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. That whole verse for you and I is what really mends the gap between us and God. So I want to pull a few things from that verse for us. So the first thing is Adam's clothing wasn't sufficient. So when we look back in Genesis chapter 3, we see Adam had already made a covering for himself, but that covering wasn't enough. And the truth of the gospel is, you and I will never be able to cover our sin by ourselves. Because scripture says that the payment of sin is death. And so in order for you and I to pay for our sins, there must be a death that takes place. Adam's clothing wasn't sufficient. But God made clothing for Adam. And he made clothing for Eve. Only God has the ability to cover our sin. The second thing is that God sacrificed an animal. For Adam and Eve to get this new clothing, a sacrifice of an animal had to be made. Did this animal desire to die? Well, no, but neither did Jesus. And yet Jesus dies in our place. The third thing is that the bloodshed of Jesus covers our sin. Adam and Eve needed to be covered. They had clothing that wasn't sufficient, so God made them. And God uses an animal in Genesis chapter 3 to point us to the fact that through Christ's bloodshed on the cross, our sins can be covered by the grace of God. So to help us understand the gospel, I'm going to go back to the whiteboard for a second and show you this. When we begin to understand and lean in to the fact that, yes, sin has created a gap, the way that that gap is bridged is through 
Christ's death on the cross. On the cross is where the gap between us and God is mended. The beauty of the gospel is that the gap between me and God is bridged through Jesus. If you wanted to know how to share the gospel with somebody, this is it. Look, you can pull out a napkin and doodle. If you need to learn how to share Jesus with somebody, you and I are separated from God because of sin, but God loved you and I enough to not leave us there, to not leave us stuck in our sin, to not leave us separated. But something had to happen. A sacrifice had to be made. Our clothing wasn't sufficient. We would never be able to work hard enough or long enough or do enough good things to make it over to God. So God sent his son to die in our place so that through him we could be restored back to the way God originally created us. That's the good news. The good news for you and I is that we return to our original creation of perfection when we understand that it's only only through Jesus Christ on the cross that the gap between us and God is bridged. That's the good news for you and for me. If you're watching this today and you realize that you've been counting on your works or your efforts or your deeds to get you to God, I want you to hear me clearly say it will only be through Jesus' death on the cross that you and I get access to God. Scripture is really clear about that. Scripture is also clear that if you and I could work hard and do enough good things to make it to God, there would have been no reason for Jesus to die. But we know that Jesus not only had to die for us, but he chose to die for us because he desired that we be restored back to God's original design. So what do I want you to do with that information? Once we understand that the gap between us and God is bridged through Jesus, I want you to make it personal and share it with somebody. Make it personal and share it with somebody. So this me is you. I know this is my story. This gap that I've got here, this is my story that, that I was stuck in my sin. I was separated from God. I was stuck in a drug addiction. But thankfully, God sent Jesus while I was still sinning to die in my place so that in him I could have new life, so that in him I could be restored back to my original design. That's my story. I can make it personal. John chapter 4 gives a beautiful illustration of what that looks like. I want to show you in this passage of Scripture. In John chapter 4, verse 28, it says this. This woman has had an encounter with Jesus, and they've been having a conversation. And Jesus tells her to go and get her husband because he's just really read her mail. you got to go read John chapter 4 later, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, you tell me that it's your favorite passage of Scripture every week. I love the Bible. Sue me. Please don't. Ain't got time for that. But John chapter 4, Jesus has been having a conversation with a woman, and she realizes that he's the Messiah that she's been waiting and longing for. And this is what it says in verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town, and she said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So they came out of the town, and they made their way toward him. 
Now, here's the really good news. I want to help you make it personal. Do you know that whether you realize it or not, God knows everything you ever did and he still loves you? God knows everything you're going to do in the future and he still loves you. The beautiful revelation for this woman is that when Jesus sits down at the well to have a conversation with her, he knows the mess of her past. He knows her struggles. Even in her current situation, he knows all the issues that she has, and he would choose to sit down and have a conversation with her, to be relational with her, to engage with her, and to show her that God's grace is for her and with her. That's the good news for every single one of us. So if you are watching this right now and you feel like your story is jacked up, messed up, you need to go out and tell somebody that there's a God who knows everything you ever did and still chose to love your broken tale. That's the good news of what God does for us, that he knows our sin, he knows our mess ups, he knows our mistakes. And for some of you, you're thinking right now as you're watching this, well, I ain't really all that jacked up. You know the people that Jesus rebuked the most were the Pharisees? If you look through the New Testament, yeah, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, but he talked a whole lot to a group of people who thought they were better than broken people. And he desired that they would have a relationship and the revelation of understanding that every single one of us have a separation from God because of sin. And it doesn't matter if your separation looks a little bit different than somebody else's. All of us were separated. There's an equal playing field because the penalty for sin is death. And Jesus paid that for you and he paid that for me. So it doesn't matter what your past looks like. You need to get comfortable telling your story. Whatever your story is, and you may feel like your story is insignificant, but I came to tell you today that your story matters. Whatever your story of separation pre-Jesus looks like, it matters because God will use it. Don't let the enemy silence you because you don't feel like your story is as significant as somebody else's. Come on, I'm preaching right now. You better be throwing some heart emojis in that comment section because I believe you've got to catch this word today. You've got to understand that your personal story matters, that God will use it. Whether you were the person that was addicted to drugs or you're the person that grew up in church your whole life and you just had an encounter with Jesus, regardless, you were once separated from God and now because of what Jesus did and your belief in that, you have a relationship with him. That's some really good news. And the reason why you need to get really comfortable sharing your personal story is this, because people can argue theology, but they can't argue with personal experience. I can't tell you how many times people want to argue with me about where did God come from and, and, and all this other stuff. And I'm telling you, there's a good place for that. We can have some, some ethical debates and we can have some conversation and some dialogue around those topics. But can I tell you what nobody can argue with? The fact that I was stuck in a drug addiction and Jesus changed my life forever that I had tried to get out, I had tried my own way, I had tried so many different things, but it wasn't until I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ that my life was changed and I was set free. The bondage of drug addiction was broken off of my life and I was able to do more than I ever thought were possible. I was told back in the day that I would be a prison statistic. And now today, I get to teach thousands of people about the good news of Jesus. Only God can do that. So you can try and argue with me if you want, but I know the personal experience that I've had from God 
has changed my life forever. And I believe it can change other people's. So I'm not trying to convince you that God is a good idea. Because when we try and make God a good idea for people, they'll buy into the convenience of Christianity rather than the person who is Jesus. And if you only get into this for convenience, you're going to get out real quick because it ain't convenient. I'm telling you, following Jesus is one of the hardest decisions I ever made in my life. But it's the most rewarding one I've ever made as well. It's the most fulfilling one I've ever made. So what you and I need to do is we need to make it personal. We need to understand that our personal story matters. And then we need to invite other people to experience Jesus for themselves. Invitation is such a powerful tool. I think sometimes we take it for granted, whether we, we love the church we're a part of. If you're watching this, I hope, I hope you love your church. If you call Propel Church home, I hope you love this one. And if you don't, I'd love to help you find a church you do love. Because you need to love the church you're invested into. Because let me just tell you, when you are consistently inviting people, it makes a really big difference. Just a few weeks ago, I'll share a story with you really quick. Somebody was on a Facebook watch party. They just got a simple invite to a Facebook watch party. And through hearing about three minutes of a message, made the decision that they needed a personal relationship with Jesus. All it was was the click of a button that helped somebody encounter Jesus, and Jesus changed their life forever. The truth is, I think sometimes we try and play the Savior for people, and we try and change people, and we try and help people. And I'm not saying don't help people. You should help people. If God's given you the capacity to help them, do that. But know that you can't save people. There's no way that you can bridge the gap for people to get back into right standing with God, but you can invite them to encounter Jesus. And for sometimes, sometimes what that looks like is that you invite them to church, whether that's in person or that's online. And sometimes inviting them is to invite them to have some more dialogue about Jesus with you. Sometimes that looks like inviting them to a small group or inviting them to an online hangout. Sometimes it just looks like inviting them over for coffee. Whatever it is, you need to invite them to encounter Jesus because uh, John 44 verse 42 is one of my, I would get this Bible verse tattooed on my throat. I told you last week to tattoo something else on your throat, but I, 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 I put this one on my throat because it's, it's honestly a life verse for me. And it's the reason why I'm so passionate about inviting people to church. It's the reason why I'm so passionate about what the local church does and creating environments to help people meet Jesus because this is what it says, John 4 verse 42 they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. What happened? These people came. This woman brought them, and they encountered Jesus. And when they encountered Jesus, they realized that he really is the Savior of the world. And I'm telling you, church, so often you and I feel unqualified to share the good news of Jesus. But truthfully, it really is as simple as sharing that you were once separated from God because of sin. But then Jesus came, knowing all of your mess, all of your faults, all of your failures, and he chose to die in your place. And by placing your hope and trust in him, you could have complete access to God. And when you take that next step and you invite people to come experience Jesus for themselves, you don't have to convince them that following God's a good idea. 
they'll encounter Jesus. And when they encounter Jesus, they'll realize that he really is who he says he is and their life will be changed forever. Church, I believe that's the simplest way to share your faith is to understand what God did for us, understand what God did for you and to share your story with the world. So I'm gonna pray for you that God would give you a boldness and a passion and courage to share your faith wherever he may take you. But for some of you who are watching this, you realize that you've placed your belief in the ability to work hard or do good or be enough to get access to God. And it never works that way. The only way that we have access to God is through putting our faith and hope in Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do if you're watching this and you'd say, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus, I want you to say this simple prayer with me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.